Aloha and welcome to the Woman on Fire podcast. My name is Daniela and we have two very special guests today. And one of them is the co-host, Jamie. And I'll let her introduce our our second special guest. (laughs) I am sitting here snuggling with Miss Coral Estelle. Who joined us just about four weeks, or not four, eight weeks ago. <laughs> it's a blur. It's a blur. Yeah. And that's postpartum for you. <laughs> yeah. One month is two months, and two months is one month, and <laughs> an hour is a week, and a week is a day. Right? Yeah, just like that. So here we are, two months out from the journey of welcoming this baby into the world, and finally time to to update the world about her and you guys and your journey. So yeah, yeah, we're we're podcasting from the nest. So yeah, awesome. You can hear her. She has things to say too. Yeah, you have things to share. <laughs> well, you two take it away wherever you want to start. Maybe leading up to birth date time, maybe those last weeks of pregnancy, those last days, wherever you want to go. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, I can't remember how close we were. Uh, when we last podcasted, how close we were to her arrival, but I think it was about two weeks before she came, maybe a week and a half. I don't remember, but, um, you know, it worked right up to the end, (laughs) uh, except the final week I wasn't actually on call. Um, and so my phone was off, which was amazing. It was silenced. It wasn't off. It was silenced. But that was me trying to ease my way into um, checking out, checking out from the world and getting more internal and focused. And so, um, yeah, so that last week was was great. We... And it was also miserable, to be perfectly honest, Um, (laughs) because for the first time the whole pregnancy, I actually felt kind of disabled (laughs) Um, because somebody clunked down into position, but she clunked down into position into a funny position. And so, um, which was only truly revealed upon her delivery um but she you know what sorry to interrupt you but I'm noticing that maybe as you share your story there can be little talking points too like little sticking points for people of like you know different things that they can pay attention to little learning nuggets um and that's one of them right when there's either in labor or in pregnancy when there's a lot of not just pressure, but more so pain or like really intense discomfort in the hips, right? It could be a few different things, but one of them could be baby in a funny position, not just that they happen to be head down and really low in the pelvis, but 
that maybe the hearts had a funny angle or they're sunny side up or there's a hand or two hands in the way that's putting this funky kind of pressure on the tailbone um so I mean that's one piece of the puzzle you can piece it together by then feeling the belly and trying to figure out where the baby's back is to see if like where well where are they and what might they be doing in there um but it, it, it it's a clue that can help. And I'm just pointing it out because I'm working with someone right now who's we, we can almost never feel the baby's back in the front, which I know mm-hmm. is kind of different for you. But but there's that. And that's not always a problem. I don't want to pathologize the, the babies that are more tucked in the back. But but if you have that and there's a lot of hip pain and like, well, maybe, you know, maybe it is worth you know, doing something or trying to anyways. So I just wanted to point that out because that's a, a good thing that might be helpful for people to n- notice. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I had such a easy, generally easy pregnancy and, um, you know, little discomforts here and there, but I was doing lots of hiking and, um, you know, very much on my feet. And, you know, towards the end, there was a lot of laughter about not being able to like get up off my back and, feeling like the turtle on the shell and whatnot, but, um, or not being able to bend without like doing the splits or like deep squats, but in general, you know, like that's just cause there was a person in my middle, so I couldn't bend over, you know? Um, so the, but, but that Monday I woke up and it, and I was significantly different and, um, I, walked my dog as usual and then took the kids um, or no. And then went to my Lomi and I was like between my dog walk and my Lomi. um, I was really uncomfortable when I got up to go to my Lomi. um, And I was like, Oh, what is going on? Like I was uncomfortable when I woke up this morning. Now I'm, I can't walk. Like I was limping really severely. So I was like, oh, good thing I have this, uh, this appointment set up. And so, um, and I had been getting my hips and things adjusted because early in the pregnancy, I actually um, went zip lining and smacked into a tree and cracked my hips. And so I um, was really being mindful of, of caring for that. So I didn't get, um, I didn't have pain. And Um, so I went to my appointment and yeah, I was like, it didn't do anything. Um, (laughs) it felt, you know, I, the, the, the Lomi that I get, it reminds me of like rolfing. Um, there's some chiropractic work and there's a lot of deep, deep tissue work. And so it was uncomfortable as usual, but, um, but it didn't do anything. I actually limped my way home from there. And that's when I started to really think maybe it is position of baby. So that evening I did a lot of stretching and, um, and shimmying and just kept trying to like work it out because it was I mean, for the first time, the whole pregnancy, I was like, oh, geriatric pregnancy, (laughs) just because I looked like a geriatric person (laughs) hobbling around. (laughs) So, and of course, being able to laugh about it, that's such an important, like, aspect of, of 
you know, when you're faced with adversity. And so, um, yeah. So then the next day I went to acupuncture cause I still couldn't walk and I was starting to get a little concerned because I had just crossed the 39 week mark and I knew she was eminent. The baby was eminent. Um, and cause you know, 39 weeks was the furthest I had ever been pregnant before. So I knew that I was getting close and I was worried about not being able to walk during the labor because both of my labors, that's all I did previously. I kept reminding myself through the pregnancy and through the, um, and that I couldn't necessarily guarantee that just because something had been something one way in the past with the other two, that that's how it would be. But, um, but I also really wanted to have movement and like be able to move. So I went to acupuncture. Oh, go ahead. Well, movement, we talk about it all the time with women, right? I mean, in pregnancy and then in labor, that it can help to not take away the pain, but that it can help things, you know, instead of holding on to the sensations, you can help move that energy around. So movement is often a key to working through the sensations and helping baby jiggle down. They just having freedom to be mobile. Yeah, that was crazy. You're hobbling around the last few days. Oh yeah, it was really intense. And when I went into acupuncture, I even told the acupuncturist, I was like, do not hit any induction points. Mm-hmm. Like I, I am here because I can't walk and I really want to be able to walk for my labor. Um, and she checked my pulses and she looked at me and I was like, it, I, you don't need to press any points, yeah. do you? She's like, yeah. yeah, no, it's definitely a position thing because she's your your body is pretty ready to to have a baby and I was like I know (laughs) so acupuncture did nothing I mean it was a lovely relaxation thing but it did nothing for the discomfort either and then the next day I laid around and felt sorry for myself and um I wasn't worried because I know you can labor just laying too it wasn't getting too much in my head about it I just knew what I want like I wanted to feel good um which is okay (laughs) to want to start feeling good not start feeling like disabled um I also had a labor laying on their sides and just more staying in one place instead of walking around more as you've done before but one thing is to do that because that's what you feel called to do versus you feel like kind of you have no choice choice. (laughs) yeah yeah and I also really wanted to go to um Waimea Bay because it's summertime and in the summer, Waimea Bay is this beautiful, flat, clear lake, essentially. And the water is perfect, and but it has this big sand hill to get down to it. And so Wednesday, I felt sorry for myself and was like, oh, I might not get to Waimea Bay. I don't know that I can walk down the sand hill. Like, I can't even walk to the bathroom without being, like, in real discomfort. Like, it was no joke. I mean have to be really real about that um but anyway Thursday I mustered that up and I we went I was like screw this if I can't walk at least I can swim and you can roll me down the hill to get there. <laughs> so, 
Right, just drag you down, pull you by your arm. Totally, yeah, totally. <laughs> yep. Stick me on a stick me on a sled. Put me on a put me on a boogie board and drag yeah. me down the hill. <laughs> For real. There you go. Solution. So so Thursday morning we got up nice and early and we went up and it was the most beautiful sunny day and we were there for like three hours and I swam for like two of those hours in and out of the water and you know doing the swimming seemed to help the discomfort a little bit um zero gravity was great but more than wait wait wait, but hold on how did you make it down the hill very slowly very very slowly and up was even harder but we did it we just went really slow and the big kids carried all the things and my husband dropped me off right at the um right at the drop-off spot which was great too so and he parked way down away he had to like walk 10 minutes to get to the beach but okay um, was it worth it Oh my gosh, it was the best. Like my heart was full. It was what I wanted to do so badly. And it felt great. And I felt really beautiful. Honestly, I was like, I'm so round and full of life. And, and the water felt lovely. And the kids had a great time. So we really enjoyed ourselves. Um, And then I came home. And it was dark. And I got in my bathtub and it and I took an Epsom salt bath, which I had taken like 17 Epsom salt baths that week because I was like my, my poor hip. Yeah. And uh, so that, oh, I'm sorry. Oh. Oh. Um, and so I laid there and, and took an Epsom salt bath and I got out of the tub and I was standing in my bedroom and then I felt something like slip out of me. And it really was like a little like bloop is what it, I mean, that would be the word bloop. <laughs> <laughs> and then I looked on the floor and there was a little wet puddle and I thought, huh, did my, did my waters just release? Um, cause it was pretty liquidy and, um, and this is a good thing too, because a lot of women think that their waters have released, um, at when, when something like that happens and, um, the way to know if it's your waters is if it continues to trickle, like you move cause the baby's head will cork it, right. Um, cork the, the outlet. But if you lay down and then you get back up and you have another gush, um, then then usually it is your waters. Oh, she's pulling her own hair. Little girl. Um, I think it was now thinking about it that it was maybe just really watery mucus plug. Yep, that's exactly what I think. Because actually, because as the night progressed, because it did actually, it was damp for probably another two hours I kept getting a little bit so I was like oh maybe it's my waters um but then it stopped and so what I think it was is I was in the ocean for hours and then I went and sat in the bathtub for hours and not for hours but for about an hour so I think it was just that all of everything just got super warm and salty water Mm -hmm. and it just softened it all up yeah, like melted the mucus plug out of you. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, no, this is a good thing to point out because we've been in this situation in a lot, of just a lot where women's like, I think my water broke. And then it's not till, you know, you go through the labor with them and their water really breaks that you realize, oh, well, that must have been watery mucus. And then I've heard women describe their mucus plug and like, uh, this one lady was so awesome. She was like, it was this like beautiful, like crystal gelatin that was so magnificent. Like she was really enamored with her mucus plug. <laughs> it was very clear. Yeah, she's like, it was just totally transparent. Um, but just thinking back to different times where it was like, well, was it mucus plug or was it water? And there's totally times where it's crystal clear that it's water or that it's mucus plug because it's like this classic mucusy thing that people would expect it to be. But sometimes it's in this middle or like, oh, that's very watery. So it's a good thing to to point out. Yeah. So, okay. Sorry. Continue. No, that's okay. No, that's well, I think it's good to talk about that because it is it comes up. I can't even tell you how many times where people think that they've 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 ruptured their um or they've released their waters and and it's not. Um, you know, days go by and they only had it for like, you know, an hour and a half or two hours where and then it went away, right? So that that is not typical of open waters. Um, hey, that's why it's important to highlight this for a moment because it, that does often happen where then it's like oh well now it's been days so should we be worrying that your water is like open did or it we close not? up did it does it close I mean yes mm-hmm. waters can can the, the bag can seal back up too but you know typically you're gonna trickle for 24 hours or more before that before it seals back up too so yeah. Oh, and then and one then, more thing. Sorry. Uh-huh. It, just because you were talking about being in the water so much, right? That's something that we try to roll out with folks too. Is it just that water kind of got sucked up into the vaginal canal and, and now it's being released and it's just the water from the ocean or the tub or wherever you were, right? That's exactly. That's a possibility. Yeah. Well, because you are, you know, the cavity is, uh, is a little bit more open, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that, yeah, that's something. And I think too, I mean, we live where people are in the ocean all the time. So it is really something for us to consider where, you know, if you're growing, if you're, if you're landlocked, it's in, unless you're in the bathtub a lot or mm-hmm. swimming in the pool in the backyard or something. Um, that's not something that necessarily will come up or to consider, but um, yeah, but here it's, it's, it is, it's something that, that we visit, um, on a semi-regular basis. So, yeah, so I touched and it was sticky and it was, and then I stepped back and then there was like little speckles of blood in there too. And so I was like, okay. And right then my husband came in and I said, look it, <laughs> we saw on the floor and he was like, okay, well, it's 10 o'clock. I'm going to go to sleep um, because I wasn't having any contractions or anything. I was just saw that. And I was like, well, they'll, you know, have a baby in the next couple of days. And um, so um, hold on one second. My husband's standing. You're on silent. <laughs> okay. Well, I will try to edit this little moment, but in case I don't, uh, welcome to real life, and we will just keep rolling with it. Okay, carry on. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, um, yeah. So he said, I'm going to go to bed and wake me up if anything starts happening. Um, because I labor alone. <laughs> and even after all these years, uh, I still labor alone. And um, so he went to bed and I had very good intentions of going to lay down and go to sleep because the midwife in me <laughs> says, be sure you're hydrated and eat some food and try to rest while you can. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't necessarily even convinced that anything was going to be happening, to be honest, because um, it was just a mucus plug. But I was like, well, do some laundry, like move things along, because if it does happen in the middle of the night, I want to have you know, want to be able to throw the towels right in the washing machine. And, um, I mean, I tend to just be like that anyways, but I was like, I like to go to bed with the dishes done and whatever. We live in the land of cockroaches and ants, you know? (laughs) Uh So, so the kids were awake, um, because it's summer. So my big kids were awake and I just kind of like fumbled around and I did notice that I was having like little slight very slight very irregular barely noticeable um sensations and um I did tell the children not that anything was happening but I did tell them that it's not going to be one of those all-nighter nights because during the summer, we just kind of let them do their thing. And sometimes they go to bed at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and so, um, hi, little lady. And so we, um, I'm going to try to see if she'll nurse here first. Yeah. So I wanted them to go to bed at a decent time and not as late as they had been, just in case things did kick in, you kind of wanted some quietness in the home. So. Yeah, I just didn't really want them to. I I wanted. I just wanted to be by myself. Yeah. If if things were happening, so I told them, you know, like aim for twelve one o'clock. Um, let's not let's not pull an all nighter. And so. I just bumbled around and did stuff. And then I went in and um, put them to bed around midnight. And that's when I did tell my daughter that I thought that probably by morning we would have a baby because Mm -hmm. the sensations were definitely happening. Like they were very mild and very irregular, but it was happening. Like I'd never had as much activity. Yeah. And you know, when you know, you know. And yeah. Were you not... having Braxton Hicks kind of stuff going on towards the end? I was having Braxton Hicks, but none of them had any real quality to them. Yeah. Like I would notice it, but I wasn't having any cramping or anything. Yeah. And yeah, and this was super and and I have to say, like I've I enjoyed my labor with my daughter. Um so when I was feeling the things like I wasn't spiraling out trying to get away from the sensation or be like oh it's so uncomfortable it was just more like 
is actually kind of like magical, exciting stuff. And I did take a few videos through the night, like checking in of like where I was at. And um, so they went to sleep and I was going to go lay down, but then uh, oh, and I laid with my daughter, actually. Um, it's been, it's, it's a little fuzzy because it's been several weeks and I, we've already, life has already kind of fully resumed <laughs> a lot of levels. So I laid down with her and that's basically when I knew for sure, for sure, for sure that like we would have a baby by morning. Um, again, very irregular, very light, but like definitely happening where when I was walking around and doing things, it was, I noticed it, but it was like, but when you're just laying there, you can focus a little more. So, um, yeah, so she went to sleep. I got out of bed probably around one thirty. I laid there with her for about 45 minutes until I knew she was like, totally asleep and um we have always had a family bed and so there and you know she's 11 now but sorry hold on one second um, he's just gonna bark outside so my daughter has been in and out of our bed since she was a baby and so it was not it was actually really bittersweet to be like, oh my gosh, this is the last time that I'm going to be snuggling her with no baby in between us, you know? And um, so that was sweet to sort of have those, that moment. And then I got up again because I wasn't sleeping and I wasn't, I, I couldn't fall asleep. I was just too excited and, and loving it. Honestly, I was really loving the um the waves and I was still hobbling um around and you know I had all these big thoughts about going and having the baby at the beach or going to the forest and and all of that and and I just but I was having such a hard time like really feeling um up for it because I was not a hundred percent like I couldn't, I, I wasn't um, in my strongest capabilities. So instead I just kind of walked around the house and I just did things. I organized things and I got stuff together and I would have waves and um, probably around two thirty in the morning, I messaged my best buddy from high school and I sent her just a little like candle because I told her that that's what I would do. Um, and I just sent our little candle emoji. And then, I don't know, I just sort of wandered around the house all night and back and forth, up and down, organizing things, standing in front of my altar, lighting the candles. Um, I was listening to music. I put on... Um, put on Pandora I put on Thievery Corporation which ended up being great because there's it's just really good sort of music <laughs> I don't know like not there's some words but a lot of uh it's it's just a lot of like rhythm and whatnot so um 
and then and pulled some cards and put them up on the altar and then around four I called my mom to let her know well I actually I texted her and then she responded right away and um so I sat on the couch and and talked to her because she was texting me and I was like I should just call you because texting is weird right now and I called her and then everything like kind of started shifting right around then I didn't want to let her know before um I was pretty like well into it and I didn't really want to tell her at all to be honest because I didn't want to put too many people on the radar because if it was going to be another day or whatever I just didn't want that like um pressure but she asked me to let her know and she promised that she wouldn't be obnoxious about it so and I believe I mean my mom had three great births you know so um and she really believes in birth which may be part of why I have such a great outlook as well um but she was talking to me and she kept making me laugh. And then I would get these huge waves every time <laughs> she would make me laugh. And so I was like, I had to hang up. <laughs> Cause I was like, I can't talk to you anymore. You're making, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're really um, amping things up over here. <laughs> but that oxytocin rush is so beautiful, right? And this, my mama was able to like bring that on for me. We were probably only on the phone for like 15 minutes max. Um, but so then I got off the phone with her and I sat on the couch because now it's like 4.15 in the morning. And I was like, well, maybe I should try to rest. <laughs> So I laid there on the couch and I just tried to like, cause I hadn't timed anything all night. And I was like, I wonder how frequent things are. Cause they're definitely like, now they feel strong. Right. And like, wasn't running away from it was, didn't feel like, um, pain necessarily, but just lots of strength, lots of energy really felt really powerful. And so I laid there and then I was like I'll wait and because my husband asked me to wake him up right he was like I want to be a part of it this time and he went to bed at 10 now it's 4 30 in the morning <laughs> like and by myself all night so I was like okay well I'll wake him up at five because he usually gets up at five anyways and I think I waited until about mm, 10 till five and then I went and woke him up because I was like, no, things are definitely happening. Like I sat here on the couch for like 20, 30 minutes and was like, yeah, no, I can't really be in denial about this anymore. Like we're going to have a baby today. <laughs> and I didn't sleep all night. So, um, so I go in the bedroom and I start to wake him up and then he starts talking to me and I'm like, uh-uh, <laughs> you can't talk to me. <laughs> Don't ask me questions. I don't need anything. You just wanted to be awake. So, <laughs> but then I started asking him certain questions like, can you tell me if you think that I, that things are really moving along? Um, should I call the photographer? That was such a conundrum the whole time because I really, really didn't want 
anyone here. Um, I didn't even want to wake him up. (laughs) (laughs) He was already there. (laughs) And he was already there, right? But I like really didn't want, and and you and I talked about this through the pregnancy a lot. Um, And it was really nice to actually have you to talk with about that because it wasn't coming from a place of like, I want a free birth. It wasn't about that. And I really tried to like dig deep into that. Because, you know, like most women do want someone there, you know, like someone to like, just be there as a solid person, you know, whether it's their partner or whether it's a sister, like it doesn't have to be a blood sister, you know, like sister um, or a mother or someone to just hold the space. And so, cause, and you hear that a lot, even when you have free birthers, you know, they're not necessarily birthing alone um and so we uh sorry my doggy is a dog right here by the, um so now he's barking outside um maybe i'll just capture him out there for a while um <laughs> and I'm also rocking the baby in the chair and the chair is in the main room. So you that's need a why third arm. I do. <laughs> Mommies are octopuses though, just so you know. Um, somehow we do sprout a third arm. And so let's see. So yeah, so I was like, oh, should I call her? Um, you know, I don't really... <laughs> want to like coordinate when someone should come. I don't want someone to be here too long because I don't really want anyone to be here at all. Um, But I really did want pictures. I have no, I have nothing from my first two births. Like, you know, no photographs at all of any of the labor. It's all right after and it's only a few. Mm -hmm. so and I and you know, I get to work with these fabulous photographers and 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 Sophia is a dear friend of mine. And years ago, when we made our first connections, she would say, if you ever have another baby, you know, I'd love to come document it. And I would tell her how funny she was and that there was not going to be another baby. But what a, what an honor. And thank you. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and so um, but part of the whole thing. Go ahead. So there was a conversation of you not wanting anyone else because you just needed yourself so there's that piece of it and then the other piece that I'm curious about you've kind of already addressed it but so you weren't totally sure where you were well what was it that made you unsure about like is it too early I don't want to call too late like maybe I should call but maybe not Eh." like what do you think well there was well, that's all. That's part of like not really wanting someone involved is just not wanting to have to like coordinate or talk to anybody or deal with anything. Like once they got here, any of it, like, because that's my personality is I will lean into, to like their comfort and I'm a caretaker. This is what I do for, you know, and as much as I tell people, don't worry about it and don't cater to us when we come and all that stuff, like yeah, we say that to women, but the reality is that every person that comes into the space 
you know, there's an energetic field and they might come in with the most wonderful, loving, amazing, quiet, energetic field. And, um, I want to cater to it as much as I don't want to cater to it. And I just want to have my baby and whatever, like it is my instinctual like drive to, to care for people. And you just know yourself really well. Yeah. Really honest with yourself. So good. Yeah. And like, I'm not going to be able to not do that as much as I like, I'm not going to go make her a sandwich, but like, (laughs) but it will, it will shift my focus and, and also thinking about my dog, he's going to get all crazy because he just followed me around all night, of course. And, um, so, and he is, uh, got a lot of energy. And so, um, and I knew that I was moving along, but yeah, I just didn't want to, like, I didn't want anyone to be here for a long length of time. I just, so I was like, well, if we're going to call her or if we're going to go somewhere, like now's the time we have to do it because I just feel myself like slipping away. And, and I'm not sure how, how, how much longer I have to go. Can you give me an idea, babe? And he's just like, uh, I think things are happening. <laughs> he was right. He was, yes. he were. was right. He was right with our daughter, to, our other daughter too, where I was like, no, nobody should come. We've got all this time. And he was like, no, we don't. And I had her, uh, I had my other daughter like 30 minutes later. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, like took the phone out of his hand and was like, no and told the midwife don't come we have all this time in the world and she was like maybe I should just come for your partner and I was like no don't come and then I had a baby like so so, um did I learn from that I don't know (laughs) well you learned that you know it was more a sense of you just not needing them it didn't mean that the baby wasn't close it just meant you just didn't need the support you're like I'm fine I've got this well (laughs) and knowing that I didn't want the distraction and those are some of the conversations that you and I had during the pregnancy about like not being dogmatic like it's not really about like free birthing or having some sort of like agenda of like I'm so great I can do it by myself it's knowing who I am and knowing that like I will I, I am concerned about others and, and I don't want to plan or coordinate, or I just want to be in the moment. Like, I just want to like, that's why the labor was so beautiful. I think because all night I was just like, I don't have to worry about anybody else. I'm just here with my sensations and connecting with my baby and, you know, lighting my incense and, you know, moving my candle around and leaning on my counter and I don't have to worry about anything. I'm not being watched. I'm not on a time schedule. Like it was just, and I loved that. I, I, and, and I still think about like, you know, of course hindsight, right? So we can talk about hindsight later, but (laughs) um, like, what if no one was here is what I think about, right? Like, would I have made as much noise? Would I have, you know, and who cares? It's just more curiosity, right? Yeah. So. No, that is something for sure. You didn't have to get all up in your head about 
okay, give them a heads up so that they have time to figure out their life or, or set up things or coordinate or whatever. You didn't have anything taking you out of the moment of logistical stuff to think about. You didn't have to think about stuff. You just were able to focus on what you were supposed to do was be present in the moment and just be with, be with the journey. Right. Right. Exactly. And I was loving so much sense that that's just, you knew yourself, you knew what would help you focus your energy and attention. Right. And, and you made sure that you protected what you needed in that way. Yeah. Be present. It's whatever helps people be present, whatever helps you feel safe and comfortable. Right. Mm -hmm. Not that you, yeah, not that you wouldn't feel safe otherwise necessarily, but is what it would help but distracted and I did distracted. not want to be distracted I really exactly. wanted to be I was loving being present yeah. and I really think right like again so hindsight from previous births and talking about it with you through this whole pregnancy of like why why do I want no one like what what is that like where is that coming from I am a social person I mean I'm also sometimes a hermit but like I and I have all these beautiful, amazing women in my life who this is what they do and they know how to hold space and they know how to come in and not be there and all these things, right? So what is it about me that I don't want that? And, um, and it is, it's, it's about knowing me and about that hermit side of me of like just being with myself and being with the sensations and being really present. So, so my husband goes into the bathroom to like wake up and do the morning things. And, um, and he's like, do you want me to start filling the tub? And I was like, no, I think we've got time. My beautiful giant bathtub that my other daughter was not born in because I said the same effing thing. So no, was that his cue to actually fill the tub then? <laughs> so he's in the bathroom and I'm in the bedroom now on the bed trying to figure out if I'm making this phone call and like, shit, I've got to like make decisions now. And I don't want to make decisions. Damn it. Cognitive brain. And like, so I stand and then I'm like on the bed and it's all dark and the waves are definitely like gaining momentum and so I'm like okay well I guess if I'm gonna call her I have to call her and then I was like and I have to walk past the bathroom and I'll tell him maybe he should start putting some water in the tub (laughs) so I walked past the bathroom and I and I didn't tell him because I was also making the phone call at that time and I and I called our photographer and the only thing that got out of my mouth was good morning. It's baby time. And she went, yay. And then I handed the phone off. <laughs> My husband came into the room and I just was like, I can't talk it's on the phone. And he's like, what, what? And I was like, here you go. <laughs> and I said, and, and we should fill the tub. And so he did whatever. I don't know. I went down back down the hall and kind of went into the vortex of um, really deep labor and so the tub gets filled I get in it and I'm in it for maybe like 
15 minutes. So maybe a total of 30 minutes has passed now. And I was like, oh, maybe. So I get out of the tub to sit on the toilet. And I text the birth photographer and I say, don't rush. Everything is fine here. And she said, should I stop and get coffee? And I was like, yeah, go ahead and stop and get coffee. She's coming from like an hour away. (laughs) So I said, go ahead and stop and get coffee. She was like, I'm not, she wasn't that close yet either because she had to like get up and get dressed and get all the stuff. She didn't know at first if she was coming to our house or if she was going to the beach or the forest or anything. (laughs) So she had to like organize her stuff. And, um, so I sit on the toilet and I text her these things and then I get back in the tub and I have that first like wave that felt like downward pressure. And I was like, maybe I was wrong. And I had this whole remembrance of my daughter where I said, don't come. Everything's fine. It's going to be. Oh, and when I was on the toilet, I checked myself. And uh, just because I was curious, I was like, where am I at? You know, again, like not nobody needs to know your cervical dilation, but I was like, this is my body and I'm curious. And this was a really cool moment actually. I'm so glad I did because as I felt in my cervix was really posterior and, um, and that's what made me tell her not to rush. And I did the same exact thing for my other daughter where I checked myself and I was like, I'm two centimeters. Don't come. And so this time I check and I'm feeling and I feel I'm going all the way to the back. But the coolest part was running my fingers along that smooth uterine muscle. And as my fingers like went across that looking for my cervix, it felt like electricity. Like it felt like this really cool like sensation on my uterine muscle and the visualization that I got is like, I don't know I'm exactly how, those balls that are in the back of Spencer's that have <laughs> the little like orb in the middle and then it sends the electricity out to the mm-hmm. sides wherever you touch it. Mm-hmm. Like that's what the visual was for me while I was uh-huh. doing that. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> but Pure I had the- energy pure energy, pure electric energy. I mean, so cool. But then I was like, oh, my cervix is way in the back. And like, it's definitely not, I'm not open all the way, which is great. But I was like, but I'm not open much at all. And then I was like, but I also know that I wasn't open much at all with my last baby. And then I had a baby 15 minutes later. So like, you know, it was more out of curiosity, not, not, a stamp point but at the same time I did tell her don't rush (laughs) but then I got back in the tub and I had that bearing down moment and I was like whoa okay um I know I'm not 10 centimeters because I just felt but I but I felt that like bearing down just it was like slight but it was it was enough to know that like oh things are shifting 
And so then I told my husband, maybe text her back and tell her, maybe don't stop and get coffee. (laughs) Maybe we are actually going to have a baby sooner than later. And so I kind of had those little jolts, a couple little jolts here and there, a little like tiny bearing down, but also knowing that I wasn't fully open yet. Um, and that was, again, being somebody who sits with women and when people tell you not to push because you're not fully open, things like that, right? Like I wasn't pushing, but my body was doing these little like bearing down things. And so knowing I had all this cervix in the front that needed to retreat, I was sort of reclined in the tub to give it the space so it wouldn't get pinned in between my pubic bone and and the baby's head and so um so I was laying there and then I heard her car pull up and the dog went crazy and like oh geez and um and then I had my first like real moment of bearing down like my body just started pushing and it was really intense. Um, I felt it through my whole pelvis and my, my previous delivery, my daughter just kind of like slipped out. We had like three attempts at trying not to push, like not letting my body push. And she just slipped right out. And so, but this was like force and not slipping out. And so um, and they were coming and then they would go and then they would come and they would go. And it kind of got to the point where it was just felt constant. And, and this is when so the dog went crazy and, but he was really good with her. I was worried about him being overly protective. And then he was right at the edge of the tub. He was the dog doula and he was licking my face and trying to get in the tub with me and nervous and you know, just kissing my, my hands. And, um, and he was probably the most nervous of anyone in the room. (laughs) And and I was making all kind of noise and (laughs) I'd been pretty quiet the whole night, but, um, but the, the, my body just started trying to ram her out and, I had a flash moment there too, where I think all the time where the worst thing you can say to a woman whose body is just pushing is don't push. It's the most useless thing to say because it's like, I'm not, my body is doing it. I have no control over that. So, um, and my body was just ramming her out, ramming and ramming and ramming. And I also had that, you know, the moments where the moms were like, I just need a break. And I was like, I need a fucking break. <laughs> like, this is so intense. And I apparently was swearing up and down. I remember saying, okay, a lot. Okay, 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 okay. And I even said at one point, I was like, why do I keep saying okay? <laughs> and then shit fuck okay 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 (laughs) and um my husband said I swore to all the Christian gods which I'm not sure where that came from either but he was like yeah you were swearing to Jesus you were swearing to 
Christ, oh lordy lordy, what the fuck, and um, swearing up and down, and um, and you can see it in the pictures, man, in my face, like that was actually painful, and like pushing her out was actually painful. Where the last time it really wasn't, it was just a part of the flow, but it felt like my whole pelvis was was gonna just explode um and that's not to scare people like I'm not saying that to be fearful um because the labor itself was beautiful and I loved every second of it but we have to remember that I couldn't walk all week and her position was not the most ideal for a smooth easeful push um and so, and cause, and it, it really, and I think because once my body was pushing, it really was back to back. There was no like breaks in between. So for 20 minutes, my body just would like contract, release, contract, release, contract. And it was just pushing, pushing, pushing her down. And, um, finally I'm reclining and I was like, I can't be in this position anymore but I also didn't want to move because I knew that if I moved, it was going to get more intense. But then I also knew that if I moved, she would be born. And I didn't know that she was she yet. But um, so I got up on my knees and then I got into a squat position and getting up on my knees, hands and knees, like changing and then having that big wave um was super intense and I felt her like really come down and um and then I got into a like squat position lunge squat and I felt her right at the opening and so I um so then I started telling myself to like breathe and soften and breathe and soften and and kind of like let let her come through, but try to try to slow it down as best I could. I mean, she was like a freight train, so there wasn't a lot of choice in the matter. But um, but I was trying to slow her down a little bit, and and all the things that we say, slow, 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 soft, 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 and so um, and then. I felt her just getting bigger and bigger in my hand and then her little, and I'm saying sliding through, sliding through and then her little face. And then I read and I'm feeling and I'm holding her face and her face is pointing up and to the, to my left. So I didn't have classic OP position. She was like, OP, but she was facing my left side, which of course just confirmed all the discomfort I had had all week where my right sacrum was all busted up. And that's because her little head, the back of her little bony head was pressing on my right sacrum. And so I'm feeling her little, and I even said, I was like, am I feeling her face? <laughs> and they were like, yes, that's her face. And I was like, you little chiseler. And so, <laughs> and then the next one, she's, she comes out and we're looking at each other under the, and you know, through the, through the water. And, um, 
And, you know, it's funny, I dreamt many, many years ago. In fact, I asked Ted at some point, my husband, I said, did Hazel come out facing up? I had had this vision of a, of a birthing a baby facing up, but I thought it was her. This was years ago. And he was like, no, she was facing down. I was like, oh, that must've been a dream I had. And so here's this little baby facing up, looking at me and, um, and then we bring her up and, um, and that's funny too, the pictures of like her little head out in my face, like looking all like shit, shit, shit. (laughs) And then, and then her out and the like joy, um, it's amazing. And yeah, we checked her out and she was a little girl and, um, And it was lovely. It was just lovely. And we were relaxed back into the tub. And um, I don't know how long it took my placenta to come, but it didn't seem to take long. And I just kind of helped it out. I just kind of felt it sitting on my tailbone. So I just eased it out. I just pushed and and gave a little tug on the cord. And that came. And then... um, and then there was some bleeding. Uh, I think I'm a little bit of a heavier bleeder, maybe. Um, and that made my husband a little bit nervous, though he says that's not why he called Danielle. <laughs> but he got real squeamish. And we were like, you can step out if you need to. And and Sophia's like, yeah, I'm here if you want to step out for a second. Um, and then he stepped out and then he came back in and said, Daniela's gonna come over (laughs) (laughs) and I said okay (laughs) and it just happened to be your birthday too just by pure magical epic coincidence it was my birthday and it was early morning and (laughs) most wonderful way to start the day couldn't think of a better way to start my birthday. And you reminded me that when I told you about that I was pregnant and I had said, I might have a present for you for your birthday. Oh, you and you looked that. at me funny. And, <laughs> yeah. and then you were like, wait a minute. <laughs> exactly. And you sure did. I did have a present for you. (laughs) It was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now I have some like heady kind questions now. Great. I love it. You're in the body moments of it. Just out of curiosity. I mean, I think it's an interesting conversation. You mentioned the blood loss. You think you're a heavier bleeder. Um. And this is such a nuanced conversation that often gets polarized of hemorrhage or did people bleed or what is it? So I want to get into the nuance, you know? So you say you're a heavy bleeder. Do you think you can estimate maybe how much it was? No, because my husband started draining the tub and refilling it with clean water. Mm -hmm. And um, I think because it was just hard for him. So I'm not really sure. And honestly, with my other daughter I didn't really bleed much at all that I so but my first one I bled a lot like a lot a lot and so much that I actually fainted (laughs) um 
So, uh, but I recovered beautifully. Like I never had a problem after with him. And I don't remember bleeding a lot with my, with my other daughter, but I also, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe I did. Cause it was sort of, I think it's really possible that my husband also just like cleaned everything up really quick. Cause he couldn't handle looking at it. Right. So you didn't see some parts of it perhaps. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so no idea on blood loss, but you say it looked like a lot and you have a lot of experience at looking at tubs. Yeah. And there was clots and things like that too. So, um, yeah, I mean from my, cause I was a little more aware this time. I think last time we just weren't prepared to be alone and this time we were. Um, and so, I mean, I probably lost close, maybe close to a thousand CCs. Um, so a good amount, you know, with the clots and everything included. Um, so, and I know that a thousand is, is the higher end of, normal um I maybe lost a little more than because I actually bled kind of heavily for the first couple days too which um was a little surprising um because you know we I do get to compare I do get to see other women's you know depends In fact, I want to see them, you know, if they're, <laughs> I, I like to see how much blood loss there is. And I passed clots for a couple of days. Um, I also think that I had a little bit of retained something, um, whether it was just a clot or something. Initially, I remember telling you that I thought maybe it was a little bit of amniotic sac. But now, then when I looked at my placenta a few days later, I was like, maybe it wasn't that. But I was strangely crampy and I know that after you know consecutive births obviously the the after pains are more intense typically the after pains with my second one were so intense that they made me sweaty and nauseous and um and they happened that first 24 hours this time I didn't actually have that but when I would cramp it wasn't necessarily correlated with nursing or anything and it and they would be real sore and then and my and my uterus was at my umbilicus for three days it was like up high it wasn't receding and then on the third day I did pass like a pretty good size like what looked a little bit like maybe some membrane with blood clot in it um something that wasn't just blood clot um and after that, I didn't have any more cramping, but yeah, so I probably about a thousand cc's and then some, some nice heavier bleeding the first couple days after. And even with all that, I know your blood pressure wasn't checked, but there's also, <laughs> there's other ways of knowing if someone's handling the blood loss well, right? Because that's, I'm sure we've had a hemorrhage uh, podcast before, right? sure we've Mm -hmm. talked about the nuance it's not just about how much someone loses yeah 500 cc or two cups is the textbook amount of a of a hemorrhage but someone could lose less than that and not handle it well someone could lose more than that and handle it well right so that's what we want to look at how is this person's body responding to the blood loss and i mean by the time i came around you were still in the tub just snuggling and enjoying the moment and um 
eventually you stepped out but you know you didn't faint you never fainted I don't know did you ever feel dizzy I mean you're always coherent you were clearly never going into shock that wasn't the problem like you seem to handle it really well and that's the little nuance I wanted to point out for people yeah sometimes people are heavy bleeders but sometimes they can also handle it fine yeah well and I think when we look back to when we didn't have like diagnostic tools like blood pressure cuffs and whatever right then that's what you have to look at yeah you have the blood loss to look at but what you really have to look at is how how is the person responding to things right because that and sometimes it can be they can be shocky just from the huge physiological change that has happened but which is why you want to also look at the amount of blood because I've also had people where they're just sort of like out of it because they just had a big change in their whole dynamic. Right. Um, but, or like adrenaline rushes and, um, or they're really tired because they've been awake for three or four days, things like that. So, yeah. And I always like to go back to, you know, because I feel like I do try to practice in a little bit more traditional fashion. Like, what do you do if you have nothing? How can you assess a mother or a baby if you can't do the things like take a blood pressure or whatnot, right? How are they responding? And just because they have a low blood pressure doesn't necessarily mean anything either. Maybe they always have a low blood pressure. I had a lady whose blood pressure was always like 80 over 50, Mm. fully pregnant, you know? (laughs) Like, so if she had a blood pressure of 70 over 40, that's not that crazy because her norm is really low. But what if I didn't have any way to like monitor that, right? We had to think about a bigger picture where if you don't have the tools, how can you assess otherwise? Because there's many ways to look, there's many ways to listen. And, and it doesn't have to necessarily rely so much on all the things. It's about what do you see? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So I just find that fascinating. I want to invite people into seeing it this way too. Because, yeah, the bleeding conversation is a big one on people's mind when they think about birth. And it is part of what feeds into the ginormous fear paradigm that rules modern society with birth and birth culture now. So that's a big part of what we're working on unpacking for the world to nourish this, the other paradigm of respecting birth, trusting birth, understanding birth. Yeah, actual bleeds of where people don't handle it well do happen. Not as often as people think, though. And there's much more nuance to to that. So, yeah. All right. Well, I also think that the more you meddle, the more you're likely to have bleeds, honestly. Like, there's, the, the you know, the more you take a woman out of her body as opposed to being in it, then there's this whole psychological piece where she's not connecting with her self anymore. She's relying on the outside. She's, how do I feel? Right. Like I think about me in that moment around four 30 in the morning of like, tell me what you see. Am I far along? Like, am I like looking on the outside for some sort of 
affirmation or reassurance or validation when really I didn't need that at all. <laughs> and, um, and it's sort of the same, like when it comes to bleeding, like I feel, or like women ask you if their baby is okay, or like, is this too much blood? And it's like, well, how do you feel? Right? Like, is your baby okay? Well, is your baby okay? You know, like, look at them. I mean, I'm not all over your baby right now, because I know they're okay. Yeah, well, if someone's just bleeding slightly more than normal and and by normal I mean a very rigid textbook definition of normal and a provider is only focusing on that kind on that quantity and that form of assessment of what is too much bleeding versus how is this person responding and then they start freaking out because it looks like too much blood and then they're saying you're bleeding too much and it's too much like we need to slow this down or like well then the woman might just be responding to that and freaking out because they're being told that they're bleeding too much and that's really scary and then that feeds into the adrenaline and the fear and and then now you don't know it can make you bleed more and then right the adrenaline's negating the oxytocin which is trying to cramp down the uterus to slow down the bleeding but now your fear and right so and your heart is pumping faster because you're in a fight or flight mode and right? There's all this chaos around you. I mean, that's a common scenario, right? Or or baby's been taken away to the warmer, whether necessary or not. We see a lot of unnecessary, you know, movement of babies over to warmers and well, that's chaos. And then there's people all around and they're rushing and lights are on and yeah, the fear feeding into it as opposed to like, well, even if someone is bleeding a lot, still keep it calm and grounded. Yeah. Yep. Talk to your body. Let them know that it's done, and we don't need to release anymore. Yeah. And well, get that you, baby to the breast. <laughs> and and who the woman is plays a huge part of it, and how well she knows herself, how well she knows her body, her mind, her character, and how well she knows birth and her mm-hmm. relationship to trust and respect and her health and. And, and while you, you've been well prepped for that moment, so <laughs> you, you, you could assess and support yourself in ways that, you know, most just don't because of your familiarity with birth. Yeah, I mean, of course, I have the upper hand. And I've thought about this, too, a lot, though, is that, you know, well, of course, I could do that because I am a I have attended all these births. And so of course I have this comfort and this confidence and this whatever, you know, but I know plenty of uh, birth workers that want people there. And, um, and I also don't think that that has like supersedes anybody's true intuition. You know, I do listen to the free birth podcast and I do, you know, like women who know very little and you don't have to know a lot to have a baby. In fact, sometimes the more, you know, the more problematic it can be. I mean, I know birth workers who work in hospital who would never in a million years fathom being at home or being alone or, um, or even ones that work in homes, you know? Um, and I'm not saying that people should be alone or be, it's about knowing who you are. 
Um, and that's why the majority of women want somebody there. Yep. No, you, I gotta reflect to you what you already know is that you do have this wonderful capacity to balance out the the head stuff and the heart stuff, the cognitive and the intuitive of being in your body and, and also the thoughts, you know, because yeah, you need a balance of both. Um, just the right ratios, right? There's the lady who wrote the book, the birthing from within. And I think she's an RN or something. Um, and she kind of starts out the book by saying like, I'm the woman in my family who knew the most about birth because she's like a labor and delivery RN. Um, and yet she was the first one in her family to end up with the cesarean. Right. Mm-hmm. So right, it's not, it's not just all the head stuff, you know, but you know, you, your intuition is well informed as well. Yeah. Well, and it's right. Like it came to fruition on the other side of, cause you, I kept, trying to understand why I didn't want somebody there right like that was a conversation that came up over and over again of like why wouldn't I want somebody there why wouldn't you know like why do I keep coming back to this place where I I just and honestly like I would have been perfectly happy if literally no one was here yeah you just (laughs) knew what you needed you just knew (gasps) (laughs) sometimes it's just that crystal clear from deep within in your soul and it it ain't about what the head thinks yeah it doesn't have to have a logical explanation um but I kept trying to make a logical explanation you know and and there but that and that was a funny thing to sort of battle not battle with but like contend with the whole pregnancy you know, of like, I knew from the minute that I figured out I was pregnant, which was before I even missed my period. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew, I didn't know exactly what it was going to look like. Like I said, I kind of thought I was going to be in the woods or at the beach, but I knew <laughs> that like, only I can do it. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to do it for me. And when I'm in like a deep meditative state, like the last thing I want is interruption. Well, that's just it. When we're meditating, like, like, it's and that's what point. I look at labor as. meditating. It's like other, the whole point is to not be distracted and try to meditate through things going on. But it, meditation isn't about someone doing it for you you can't and yeah there's guided meditations and those can help but ultimately it's about you <laughs> right so. well and it's sort of like then if you're stuck in conversation if you get into a conversation then your thoughts aren't flowing through you're getting like caught up in a moment of this back and forth conversation as opposed to like there's a thought and now here's another thought and now here's another thought yeah as opposed to like let's dig into this thought and you know what birth is not necessarily logical that's just no. it. that's part of the unpacking the unlearning the decolonizing that we are all working on is the that it doesn't have to be logical to let it be illogical that it's not a thinking brain thing that it's a feel your way through it you know that it's okay if sometimes it just seems illogical 
illogical isn't inherently bad or dangerous or wrong but we do live in a society where it's like well how can you justify your decision or choice or train of thought if I can't see the peer-reviewed article how is this evidence-based practice isn't that the standard isn't that the golden everything evidence-based practice and decision making because otherwise what are you doing well, it's only evidence if it's if you research the evidence, and we all know that a lot of evidence isn't researched because there's no benefit to the capitalistic society to research women birthing by themselves. <laughs> there ain't no money in that. <laughs> oh, exactly. Well, or logic. That's just it. It's a windy spiral. It ain't an eight to B thing, right? This gets into the conversations of, oh, are is the labor on the right curve? You should be dilating a certain amount every hour. Otherwise, you're off the curve and something's wrong. Like, no, these aren't machines, right? That just it's the same amount of progress. Every like everything's perfectly calculated. Like, no, it ain't like that. And if that was the case, right, like I would have been screwed if I would have been in like modern technology, society, whatever, you know, because I don't labor on a curve. I labor and then I dilate at the very end. (laughs) I don't know is what it seems, right? Like that's what it seems from the two that I've checked myself. I'm not dilated. I'm not, I'm laboring all night. I'm walking. I'm in the zone. Da, 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 and then all of a sudden, boom, I open. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, ha- it, it doesn't make sense. Like if I was on somebody's curve besides my own, mm-hmm. it wouldn't make any sense. Right. But because I have a his, I do know, do know a little bit of my history. It makes sense for me. Exactly. it's a little nugget for people that your choices whatever you feel drawn to do or how you feel drawn to show up and navigate your journey doesn't have to necessarily be logical it doesn't necessarily have to be evidence-based and you don't have to justify your decision to someone else and and one thing is trying to figure out what you even want to do and I understand that in those moments where we're not sure what to do we gather information to try to figure out what might in fact feel best for us but to do something only because oh well I can logically justify it I mean that's a way to do things and that's fine if that's what you decide but that it's also okay to do something just because you're like oh that's just what feels right even though on paper on textbook it logically it doesn't quite add up you're still allowed to be like this is still what i'm gonna do though because that's just ah, i can't shake this feeling that that's just what it's supposed to be because sometimes we do what seems just perfect on paper and follow follow the illusion of a formula and and then we're like oh well that was just quite not right the quite the right way either right so doing things the way that seem logically correct doesn't seem doesn't always equal like things going the right way. So cuz we don't have it all figured out, we just don't. So Oh, well, that's like that meme that I just posted on my Instagram of like what you know 
what you know you don't know and then all that you don't know that you don't know and that's like infinite (laughs) Uh we we think we know so much as as humans and all of our science and our little you know things that and then there's the reality that we really only have shed light on such a small I mean right what is it how much of our brain capacity do we think we actually use versus what's really there and yeah. do we even really know that? Like, right. how do you quantify We, we measure that? the full capacity. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, like, how can you even quantify it? It doesn't make any sense. That's the whole point. We don't know. And that's the end of our episode today. It was a little bit abrupt because I had to head out to a postpartum appointment. But that is the complete episode. I'd like to offer all of you my gratitude for sharing this podcast adventure with us. It's been really exciting to see the podcast grow with all of you and that it's actually been of value and growing. So we look forward to more of that. In fact, our next project is one that we need your help with. So... We are inviting individuals who have had a pregnancy go beyond 43 weeks to be a guest on our podcast and share your story and experience with that unique experience. So if you're up for that, we would be really honored to have you join as a guest and you can contact us via email at womanonfirepodcast at gmail.com. And that's woman, W-O-M-E-N. So we would be very excited to hear from you and highlight your story and preserve it for as long as we can for generations to come, for women um, all over the world to be able to relate with and just really (laughs) immortalize these experiences because they're becoming increasingly rare to hear about. So if that's you. We hope to hear from you. Thanks for your time. Aloha.